I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Lone Star House of Design, produced and distributed by the team that brings you Convo by Design, with another story about design and architecture from the great state of Texas, featuring Tracy Connell and a chat about livable, luxurious design. Luxury living and livable design can both share the same space, and designer Tracy Connell shares her strategies for making sure both concepts get equal focus in her work. Tracy shares her design philosophy and walks us through a few of her projects. You're going to hear how high-end luxury meets easy living. Tracy also shares some time and money-saving strategies. So enjoy this conversation with Tracy Connell of Tracy Connell Interiors, and then catch up on more episodes from both Lone Star House of Design and Convo by Design by subscribing to the podcast so you never miss a single episode. It's really that easy. Find the shows everywhere you get your favorite podcasts or ask your smart device to play Convo by Design podcast. And it will. This is Tracy Connell. You don't have, mm-hmm. you don't have a choice. If, you, if, right. if you're in a position where you, you have to have a job, you have to have a business, you have to go make money, you have to have a career because it's not just you that you're supporting. Mm-hmm. You have others yep. that depend on you. And then like this morning you said, if I'm not busy i feel like something's wrong and that's so true <laughs> it does i um i always talk about like this like intuitive feeling i like get in my belly and it honestly it's it's really interesting cuz it happens normally in january and the first part of february which <laughs> clearly is now and so my entire team and my husband know that I get a little moody during this time because it's funny because you're after the holidays and people are thinking about projects, but it just happens every single year, January, half of February. It's like, okay, not the phone's not ringing a ton. I mean, we're just keeping it with our pipeline, but then boom, just like it, it, it hits. Thank goodness. I know it, but (laughs) I still have to go through it just like everybody else. You mean January and February happen every year? Yes. Exactly yes. like this every year? Yes. It's, it's so true. Last, Yeah, yeah. I mean, last year maybe not so much, but honestly, it's too funny because they they can predict this from me where we ramp up our marketing and we ramp this up and we do all these new initiatives because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, phone is not going to ring. Well, I know based on history, you know, it does hit. And thank goodness in the last two weeks, we're, we're back to... Back to our groove for sure. Well, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, I want to talk to you about what it's like for you geographically, because here in Southern California, we get started fast. Um, yes. It starts with KBiz, which isn't really Southern California, but KBiz right. is kind of like the kickoff. And then it's straight into Modernism Week. And then it's into into West, uh, West Week at the Pacific Design Center. And then mm-hmm. the Pasadena Showcase. I mean, it just, boom. And it just explodes right out of the gate early. So I think, I think it sort of forces us to get going. Due to weather... Right. You know, you sort of have clients who think, oh, I'll wait till it warms up a little bit. I'll wait till it dries up a little bit. What's it like for, what is, what is the state of Texas design right now? It's really great, actually. Um, We have been so fortunate in Dallas, even in the downturn 2008, nine, to really be, you know, afforded a lot of great projects in Dallas. I mean, because it's affordable, no state income tax and and all of those goodies, 
there's constant regrowth, rebuild, people moving here a lot from California. And so I do live in a metroplex that really is booming. And so there are certain areas that are more desirable. But in the further you go out of Dallas, obviously, the more land you get. But we have a great design center here, you know, great art scene. It's very desirable. So I have to say, you know, in in the Metroplex here, it really is a great, great place to run a business in interior design. It's, yeah, in Austin, I mean, think about other, you know, spots in, in Texas. I have two daughters down in Austin. It's a different vibe down there as far as design goes because the aesthetic is very different than what it is up here. But, I mean, Austin is 100% booming. So they can't even, you know, find plots of lands to build anymore. So, I mean, fantastic. And then we just picked up a job in Houston. And, I mean, obviously the, the growth down there is is crazy as well. So I have to say, Texas isn't a, and isn't a bad place to live. No, it's not. And it's really interesting, too. I, I want your take on all three markets, because the three markets you mentioned are also vastly different. You've got Houston yes. with, with you know, traditional old money. Yes. Fort Worth, uh-huh. Fort Worth, old money as well. But Dallas has always been new money. Dallas is yes. always, right? A lot of it, yes. It really is. We work with a lot more, I would say, younger families in Dallas. Um and that's that's an interesting you know, quadrant of the population because, I mean, honestly, what's too funny is my oldest daughter um, is 33, and her friends are calling to hire us. And we just laugh about it because it's like, wow, like how can these young kids like afford to, you know, hire a full-service firm? It's unbelievable. And so, you know, it's it's them coming out of college and having great jobs, but it's really funny how your times have changed. But yeah, I have to say, you know, as different as they are, you know, there's opportunity in all three for sure. I feel like interior design and architecture is it's one of those things that's always important, but I feel like there's a renaissance taking place right now because mm-hmm. It, it feels to me like people are starting to put a greater value on the idea of home mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. so than, than ever before. And my theory is mm-hmm. that it's happening because the idea of home, we do more at home than we used to. You know, right. work, work used to be where we went and spent over half mm-hmm. our time. Right. And sure. we do more work at home. I, I do more work at home mm-hmm. than I do at the office. Oh, I mean, absolutely. So I think between that and health and wellness and sustainable living um, mm-hmm. and the, the fact that people want to be healthier, they, there's, a, there's a focus on being healthier. I think with, with everything in the news, it sort of forces people to think about um, the furniture and materials that they put right. in their home off-gassing and the air, mm-hmm. the air quality in their home and the water quality and the fact that they mm-hmm. just want to live better. It's not just a box with a bed in it that you just spend the night in and then you go up, you go somewhere else. Absolutely. And I, and I think too, and that varies, I guess that um, preference with our clients, it seems like, you know, it's, it's some that want to fill their house, other who really want to live in their house. And I think that's what you're saving. Even myself, I was one who I preferred to be out. And now I flipped the switch and I would most prefer to be at home. 
and to make the memories at home. And, you know, most of our clients too, I mean, we're definitely getting, getting on board with that concept, especially like you said, they're working from home. And so, and even in Dallas, especially Austin too, those wellness components are very important where we are, you know, putting in the water filtration, um, you know, systems, you know, during remodels and, and new construction and really paying attention to like off-gassing of products, leathers, faux leathers, and things that, you know, might cause an issue later on. But it's a certain type of client who is desiring that. And it's the ones who know that they have to pay extra right, for those qualities and the ones that are staying longer in their houses. You know, they're investing and they're going to stay more than five years. This is not their their in-between house, right? Because that comes with the price. Yeah. So I want to back up a second because Mm -hmm. you have have an interesting story. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. you giggle a little bit, but it's – and I think that it's easy for you to giggle now because you're kind of on the other side of it. Right, right, right. But yeah. you know, your your design was your destiny. I, I think you you figured out early on. I mean, well, I could tell this. T- tell the story. How did how did this how did this business start for you? And it really it really started because it had to. It started because it had to. So my degree is actually in elementary education, and almost twenty years ago, I was teaching and I'll just, I'll just do the reader's digest version of this, but basically I stayed home to have, I taught six years, stayed home to have kids. I was tutoring and I was, you know, doing some other like entrepreneurial things out of my home and our oldest, it was time to really start saving for a college. So my husband at the time says, Hey, you know, you either need to go back to teaching or think about something else. That's when my design business was born. And obviously we all pay our dues. I mean, it, it took me years, you know, as a side hustle to get a, you know, a decent list of, of clients, but I loved it. And, and, you know, a friend said to me at at one point, Hey, do you think we can like make money at something we actually love to do? I was like, well, a J-O-B, you know, (laughs) I don't think that you really necessarily love it to bring the paycheck home, but that stuck with me. And I did. I did. I was a, had a sole career interior designer for um, several years just as a side hustle. I mean, I would say again, like 12 years just as a side hustle. I was there at every kid's event and dropped them off and picked them up from school. Well, during that time, my, and I knew my husband was an alcoholic and it was a very rocky household that we lived in. And literally I was waiting for the other two to drop all the time, but in 2011, it, it got really bad in and out of rehab. And, um, it, it just, it just got to be the time where I just said, Hey, I, I've got to get my family out of this. And we tried, but we're, we've got to move on. Um, and so after a nasty divorce, um, I got my, my kids and, I said, I've got to really ramp up this business because I'm going to be a single mom. And the next, uh, within two, about a year and a half, he actually passed away. And then it was like, okay, 
you know, I don't have any other support. It's just me on a side hustle and I've got to ramp this up big time because like you said earlier, I didn't have a choice. I had to bring the money home. I had to put food on the table. It was a necessity for me. And so from that point in 2012, I mean, I put in the work, you know, I just, you know, like I was involved in every organization and I went to conferences and I hired coaches and all of the things to better myself. And I just worked my butt off because I had to, I had to. And really kind of the end of the story is, um, you know, I invested in the help and actually made a point, you know, to grow my business. So my business grew from $150,000 in revenue in 2011 to over $2.6 million in revenue last year. And I was very intentional about the growth and the strategies that I had to take to get me to that point. And obviously that higher, that goes with hiring a team and obviously great design and focus and systems and processes <laughs> to get us there. And then actually the last little pivot was I, I, uh, ended up getting married and five months later we had a major house fire. So it was it for me, it's been a ton of setbacks and then, you know, crawling back out and having another setback and crawling back out. But I'm a knock on wood, but I think I'm on the other side. And the hits keep coming, right? Yeah. <laughs> well you. well, so what would you say what we what would you say are the lessons that you learned? along the way. And because you built, you built it to scale, you built it up. Yes. And yes. with, with, with building up to scale comes capital investment. It comes hiring, yes. hiring of people. It comes mm -hmm. a strategic plan. You can't just throw money at it. I mean, a right. lot of people do, but it's not, if you got a lot of money at it that you can throw at it, right. that's great. That's how you go from having a, um, a, a large fortune to having a small fortune. You know, exactly. but how, how do you, how do you go from having no fortune to, yeah. to, to building a, a scalable, sustainable business. Yes. And that, it's so funny because it happened, you know, over about eight years. And these are the lessons that I learned. And the first one is to just be vulnerable and ask for help. Because a lot of us don't like to share what we're going through. And it's an industry that is Instagram and we don't talk about the stuff that's going on at home and we still have to show up at our client's house with a happy face. But what I ended up doing, I dropped the curtain and became vulnerable and asked for help. So I did have a little nest egg, wasn't a 10, but I hired a business coach and really, you know, worked with him along the way to get my finances, even at home geared with what was going on in the business you know, the next step, which was about two years later, I hired my first employee. And again, when you start doing that, you are in the growth mode, right? Because it's going to allow you more time to focus on your business. That's the next thing that I learned. The lesson was put my business under a magnifying glass, really take a hard look at the finance portion of it. Um, and that's what I did. I put in set margins. I knew what my margins had to, had to be. 
A couple other things that I did along the way, I got smart way back and created a co-op with another two designers for buying power and created my accounts from Stocking Dealer. That was, that's been huge to this day. I own it myself um, now, but that was huge. Another couple of things I did to scale was not take everything. I like put my foot in the sand and I said, okay, I am not taking a project that's less than say $50,000. And I stuck to it. And as hard as that is, it made a huge difference because, you know, who cares if you're busy, right? Everybody's busy. I don't want to be just busy. I want to make money. And I had to. So that was huge. And, and really taking that next step. Um, the third lesson that I learned was that I had to create a firm that ran without me because clearly, I mean, not for long, but you know, I could, I can take two weeks off. I can take a month off because you never know when that other shoe's going to drop. And I lived my life for a long time going, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And so I created the systems and the processes to run my firm to where as anybody can come in here now and they're all, they're all set. I mean, we, we had templates and Asana and crazy drop boxes and all, you know, all these things that it, it runs smoothly. And there's no way that I could have gotten through the last eight years without that. And that goes to the next is building the team, building the right team. You know, it's staying lean, but everybody has a skill set, which is awesome that I don't have. So I hire you know, the skill sets. I mean, I'm really the creative and the, and the visionary and I, I am on the project still, but I like to leave details to other people. And, you know, the biggest, the biggest lesson that I learned is really do the work, um, deliver more than it's expected, but you've got to do the work. It, you know, just doesn't happen. Well, and, and you also have to have the talent Yes. And you also have to have the vision. And I think that um, the vision, and it's funny, you know, here we are, we're about, what, 20 minutes into our conversation. We haven't talked about design at all. (laughs) And I I think that that's great. um, Uh Because I definitely want to get to it. Because from a talent standpoint, you're -hmm. you're crazy talented. Um, Thank you. What I think is interesting, too, is the manner in which you approach the business is very systematic. It appears to mm-hmm. me, and yes. you have you have a next step. So even while you've scaled up and built from necessity, you also have a next step, right? As far as uh, what's happening next, you yeah, mean, or yeah, what's happening next for the business? As far yes, as take, I do. taking it away from design itself. Yes, um, I do. I do. Um, within my story and everything that's gone on the last eight years, I, I always knew, even as a business person, I wanted to take my design firm and, and branch off to it. I mean, again, out of necessity, I'm always going to feel like, like I, you know, I, I have to have this nest egg. Um, I have to be prepared because when I wasn't prepared financially, it scared the crap out of me. Right. And so I'm always, over the last like three or four years, I'm like, okay, what can I do? Mailbox money, another alternative income stream. We all think about it as designers. I mean, we all do. I mean, you know, we've had our, our online design business for years, but there was something more just gnawing at me 
and just saying, hey, you know, how can you give back? How can you give back to this community that actually like saved my life during all of this? You know, the design industry. And I realized that I have a passion for coaching other designers and helping them through their hard times and their setbacks and getting them to a place where number one, they can breathe and really focus on their business, but to scale it as well. And it took me a long time to kind of step away and say, okay, I'm going to devote this time and this money to do this because, you know, whether out of self-satisfaction or actually, you know, out of the need to help people who are just like me, it's, um, it's, it's, it's here. I'm doing it. So I'm really excited about it. It's like I said, a way to give back, but I want to share, like, I want to cut out all this stuff and all the learning that I did because I would have loved to somebody like hand me like a roadmap. All right, here's how you do it. But then you can reinvent it yourself. But God, I mean, the shortcuts, I mean, wow, like <laughs> that would have been really cool, but, um, I know there's a need for it. And it's like I said, it's just something that's very passionate that I would like to do. What's your timeline on that? Well, I am developing a course and that's going to be later in the year, but, but actually I'm announcing it'll be announced by now. I'm offering um, some coaching sessions, some VIP strategy days while I'm working on the course. Um, I'll have a focus group, a small focus group, because I really want, to learn from designers exactly what's holding you up. You know, are these things in your life, you know, that's happening, these horrible crisis or setbacks or, you know, I want to know what's going on, like why you're stuck. Because if, you know, if you're telling me that, Hey, you're shooting for maybe $400,000 in revenue this year, then I'm going to say, Hey, I think you could shoot for, you know, a million. Why not? Right. Those are things I want to know. I want to know what what's the holdup. It's different now than when I was, you know, growing my business. I mean, clearly, you know, we have surprises every single day, but that's that's sort of the timeline. I'll, I'm going to start coaching right away, and I've got some speaking engagements coming up with the major markets and things. But yeah, I'm I'm ready. I am ready to to help people who are like me. So what you've already got up is the online design. And, and I, here's what I find so interesting about your online design platform. Mm -hmm. I am, um, I have been a pretty vocal critic of the mm -hmm. whole online design idea mm -hmm. because I am a huge, I'm not a designer nor an architect. I'm just a fan. Right. I'm an enthusiast. Right. I love the work and I put the value of the work on the creators themselves. Mm -hmm. And I have always felt like when you you make it something that is so democratic that it's online, anyone can get it, it's ubiquitous, mm -hmm. you, no matter where you are, send a picture, you can get the design. I always felt like it took away from the the core value and what makes designers mm -hmm. like you so special. Sure, sure. And then I started looking into the way that you approach your online design offering. Mm -hmm. And it's different. Right. And there are others out there that don't need to be named anymore because I've I've named them I've named them all, you know, a hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's frustrating to me because it's like, oh look, here's a list of 
25 designers and based mm-hmm. on where, you know, what their Instagram count is or how many articles they've had written about them, that's what the fee is going to be. But it's never what true value should, ab- sure. should actually be for the, for the project itself. But you approached it a little bit differently. And I'm, and I'm curious what went into your thinking and what the, what the response has been. And I'm also curious to know if you feel like it has taken away from your core design service? Um, well, I'll tell you a little bit about it. And like I said, I mean, we dreamed this up, oh gosh, probably, probably about seven years ago. So I've had it for that long. And the interesting part about our program design delivered, the intent was for anybody across the nation to come and we'll do their design and get our look for less and all that good stuff. And Honestly, that is not what it really has amounted to. What, you know, when someone calls our firm and wants to hire us, if it's, it's okay, well, we're really, we only do full service interior design, you know, suit to nuts, that type with, you know, a minimum amount of rooms, all that good stuff. But I thought, well, I don't want to turn them away. I mean, what if we had another offering for them and, that's kind of the direction that Design Delivered has morphed into. In fact, we're doing a custom build right now, and we're doing um, you know, the full furnishings on the, on the bottom floor. Well, they're doing Design Delivered on three rooms upstairs because it's, I mean, it's obviously less one-on-one. It's not full service, but it's still the Tracy Connell interiors look and feel it is designed by my one of my interior designer accredited interior designers. We talk about the vision that is really outsourced to her. We come back at the end, I review, and it goes out. So it's a wonderful service if you choose or cannot afford our full design services. So it's it's a great alternative for me to say, hey, yeah, nope. We're, we're not a fit. Well, we are a fit. And this is why. I think that makes sense. Now, what percentage of the business has, has gone online? And, and is it from the, the DFW area, Texas area, or is it, is it broader than that? You know what? It's mostly DFW area. And we haven't pitched it a ton, but it's mostly DFW. And it is not a large percentage of our, um, I guess our, our project load, maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 5% because I feel like too, if they're following me for a while, most of them, you know, they're going to hold out to when we can do full service and they want that handholding and they want some of they, because, because obviously online design, you're, you're DIY, right? You are, you're measuring, you're sending us the photos. We don't go out to your home. And so there's a difference there. But we've had some really successful projects. Actually, we just did another one downstairs, and then we did all their exterior. All the outdoor patio and furnishings was all design delivered. So, I mean, it actually helps me sell the full full service, right? So... It's a great add-on, but it has not taken away from our full service at all. It oh, just complements it. That's really interesting. And I was going to ask if anyone had gone from 
uh, doing a room online and, and that leading into a full service client? Yes, we had one last year where it's funny because probably four or five years ago, we did two rooms for them, design delivered, and then they called last year. We did a full renovation for them and then all of their downstairs. And it's, you know, they enjoyed that experience. And then, yes, it you know, developed into a really great project for us. So, again, it's me not saying no. Hey, we'd love to work with you in this capacity. You know, maybe in the future there's more for us. So, and it, yes, it's definitely proved that way. So, I'm looking at your website and I'm looking mm-hmm. at your portfolio. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, one of the reasons I was so excited to start Lone Star House of Design is because Texas provides all of the unique factors that go into, in my opinion, remarkable design. And I think that, you know, it because many, many people will just sort of fly over and not even consider it. it's got to be LA, San Francisco, New York, Chicago, Miami. That's right. where design happens, certainly not in Texas. But it's funny because having lived in Texas for nine years, Mm-hmm. Um, and living there, you know, before the the design really hit, you know, the the early um, early nineties, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know it's brick house, brick house, brick house, brick house. Just because sure. brick is everything and close together, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and close together. But it it provides the you've got a sort of I don't want to call it a disobedient attitude, but Texans are different, and they will tell you that they're different. Yes, they don't. Yeah. They don't like to be messed with, and they have signs to tell you that. <laughs> that proves it, right? <laughs> um, you have you have a lot of land. You mm-hmm. have a lot of money. Yep. You have a very strong income. You've mm-hmm. got a willingness to explore, and you're where you're located. You have access to everything. You're you're a port state. You're in the middle of the country. Mm-hmm. You just you have access to everything. So. Right. You have opportunity. So I'm looking at, at some of your projects and I'm just, I'm crushing on them. I'm absolutely crushing on Aww. them. One of which is that I wanted to ask you about is Lusk Lane, Flower Mound. Oh my gosh, yeah. Was that a ground up? <laughs> Let me tell you briefly about this. Oh, I love this. Now. It's got a story. Awesome. It has I bet a they all story. do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. This one's so near and dear to my heart. So, oh my gosh. So they built this house they actually it, it's out okay so flower mound you get land yeah and so it's you know a suburb of dallas but they wanted land so they found a home that was already on acres of property they actually you know demoed the house and donated every nail and every board to habitat for humanity when it came down whatever they could they donated and then found a builder and built the house up and they used another designer. So I guess through that experience, they like, okay, they weren't hundred percent happy. So they called me when it was time to furnish. So great project. So we finished everything, but the backyard, we shot it. It was great. Six months later, I got a call. Huge house fire. Oh, huge. no. Yeah. Huge, huge house fire. Oh, wow. So, like, Tracy, um, all right, we're, we've got to, we've got to, 
we've got to meet. So basically what happened there is the husband in, in the partnership was like, you know what, we're going to use this as an opportunity. Now, granted, the house was only like three years old, but we're going to use it as an opportunity to do some different things. And so we redesigned a ton of spaces. We rebuilt the house, um, refurnished the house, made changes. I know even after three years, we made changes. But I got to be really, you know, really good friends with them. We Then we just finished their backyard last year. And then now we're doing this, the CEO. He's, he's a CEO of a medical tech company. We're doing their headquarters, but it actually was such a good like experience for when our house burned <laughs> it was like a year and a half later. And I mean, he was my first phone call. I'm like, Mike, you're not going to believe this, but you know, so yeah, it was a great project because they were willing to step out of the box. And, and I mean, he's so innovative that it's so great for me as a creative to really dig and to do some different things, use different products and use color, which a lot of people shy away from. Well, and that's what I was going to say is the, the, and forgive me, because a lot of times I'll talk to designers about their projects. And it's mm-hmm. like, wait, wait a minute. I'm not looking at it. It's been so long since I worked on that project and I've done so many others. I don't necessarily remember what goes into everything. But as I was looking at your work, mm-hmm. by the way, was this one published? This one was in Modern Luxury Interiors, Dallas. Ah, okay. Yep. I love that. All right. And I love that one too, because as the associate publisher, um, an online editor for Modern Luxury Interiors, California. I, lo- oh. I love that a sister publication uh, put yes. this in. I think that's awesome. Thank you. So the kitchen. I- I'm just going to go through this one because I love this project. And by the Aww. way, if-, if anyone's listening, if anyone's <laughs> listening, of course people are listening. But as, <laughs> as you listen, um, go to Tracy's website. It's tracyconnellinteriors.com and go to Portfolio and look up Lusk Lane. And then you can, you can look through this with us which I think is always fun. And maybe you'll send some pictures too and yeah, we'll post them sure. on, on Instagram. Talk yeah, to me, sure. talk to me about this kitchen. Okay. So the kitchen, the interesting part is that the only thing that they wanted to keep was this hood. So you could see <laughs> normally, you know, you, why? Yeah, because they paid so much oh, okay. for it. And, <laughs> okay. you know, they were like, okay, we're going to rip everything out. And then, you know, start over, but the hood had to stay. So I had to work around the hood, but because they're on so much acreage, I mean, they have llamas in the front yard. It's hilarious. And they had like mini horses and stuff. And then and obviously from the backyard, there's a lot of land. Everything in the house before was sort of white, kind of sterile, um, some grays, but there was not a ton of warmth. And so you know, the concept I brought to them was doing the natural walnut and the white, which you could see we carried into their wet bar in the back. Um, but it was interesting because the walnut approach, I mean, they really, you know, they definitely really were on board with that. And they had a small island. So, you know, we took the opportunity to expand the aisle. I mean, all the cabinetry came came out they hated their site finished cabinetry painted cabinetry so this um was a custom cabinet company um that you know obviously is going to stand up to to the uh, test of time but 
I wanted to design something cool for you know, the island. And so this cantilevered, you know, block of walnut with the waterfall edge was something that really turned out just beautifully for this, this. And then they, they did want marble. And so we did pick marble for the backsplashes and had the, in the island and had those um, sealed with a special sealer that prevents against etches and scratches. So that was big for me to be sure that was included. They went with marble. Was there an, was there an, how do you feel about manufactured stone? So our real niche in my company is livable luxury. I call it ease of glamour. And I'm a stickler about that because I don't want a client calling me back after oh my God, you know, this stained or I have this on my fabric. It's like, I don't want you to worry about it. So we're really equipped with presenting those tools when we are pitching, you know, products and everything else. So I do not, well, I do not care for a quartz product that looks like it's a marble. Right. I won't, I won't do those. I absolutely will um, specify, you know, a solid quartz, a Caesar stone, Cambria, et cetera, on a lot of jobs. We will. I just don't, I just think it's cleaner for more of our modern jobs. So I don't have a problem with that product at all, except for when it's trying to mimic real marble. Interesting. Okay. And I, and I, what I like to, I like so much, but I, I like that you, you pulled the, the purple tones mm-hmm. into the living room as well. You, you pulled the, the maple in there as well. Yes. Yeah, the walnut. Um, walnut, sorry. When it was, yeah, when it was time to redesign, like we ripped out their entire fire fireplace. I mean, well, all, most of the drywall had to come out anyway, and so it again, it was like a cool opportunity to do something different. And so, right, so I designed this the upper part of this mantle, which all the, the cast stone fireplace. It's big and bold, and then just the feature above the fireplace. I mean, obviously it makes a huge statement. So obviously the goal was to pull pull that into the next room and carry it through and their coffee table too kind of brings all that together. But that was fun. And obviously you've got to have a good good contractor <laughs> to be able to pull this off. Yeah, I would imagine you do. Um, do you have a team that you work with on a regular basis? You know what's interesting? What we do as far as general contractors go but it seems like, you know, in Dallas, there's so many and there are so many great builders that a lot of time, I mean, people are coming to me, they already have their contract, they already have their builder. And if not, then we're going to our tested resources. And obviously they vary. Some finished a lot earlier than others. Some are more expensive. So, right. So it's kind of targeting what the need is, but nonetheless, I mean, we have to stay on on top of everybody because you know that's our promise to our clients, right? So I don't want anybody waiting for us, our documentation, our drawing sets, anything. We we like to have it all prepared for them first, which I think is smart. And also, mm-hmm. I so you've got everything in this house. One of one room that stuck out struck out to me, and 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 I can't really tell by the image how big or small it is, mm-hmm. is what is obviously the media room. And in all these other rooms, you've used all of this mm-hmm. vibrant color. Mm-hmm. And in this one, obviously, because it's a media room, you you went with the gray walls, but then is the Roche-Bobois 
yeah, all over the place. It I just it looks like it exploded <laughs> with puffballs. I, I just I love this. I love what you did with this room. Yeah, it's pretty unexpected, um, and it's interesting because it's 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 downstairs and it's right off of the room with the pool table, but. Again, just to add some quirk, and I mean, obviously, we got rid of everything else that was in there, but um, it's fun, you know, and it's it's a it's a take on the traditional media rooms that have been all over Texas, where you have that stadium seating. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. you know, and yeah. it's like boring. We're over it, right? And we don't even build media rooms in new construction anymore. It's it's, I mean, it's really it's not common to do, but. Again, this was fun. We kept the step and um, just obviously wanted to go with something that's non-conventional. And yep, it's it's popping. That's for sure. Well, speaking of popping, um, I don't know which bath this is, but with the rainbow mirror and the and the aqua cabinetry, it's not aqua. Uh, yeah. What color? What color yeah. is? It? It's not aqua. What is that? I mean, you could say it's turquoise. This, yep. This is the um the their daughter's room. So at the time I think she was probably fifteen. I could and totally so, see that. Okay. Yeah. But it's yeah, great. It doesn't yeah, look it, like a fifteen year old's bathroom. It just looks like a bathroom that a fifteen year old would tolerate. Yeah. Because you know, fifteen year old girls, I have one. I know this. Uh, <laughs> you know, I get I I designing for a fifteen year old girl is not an easy thing to do. No, no. And the interesting part is the fire actually started upstairs. It was a lightning strike. And so like the the daughter and the son's room were like the worst in the entire home. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then that's his next to it. That's his bathroom. The older older brother. Well, so I just want to I want to take it outside for one minute. I, there's a there's so much I want to talk to you about this project, and because you know what, it encapsulates all of the things that I think go into a modern, mm-hmm. not necessarily modern aesthetic, but a, a modern designed home. One that has mm-hmm. everything to, to not, I'm on this thing now where it's like, we've shifted from architecture being built as a, as a monument to itself, to mm-hmm. architecture and design being constructed, created, developed, specifically for the people that are gonna live in it. Absolutely. And that's what you've done. And then we take mm-hmm. this outside. You've got you've got the pool, you've got shading, you've got outdoor entertainment, you've got an outdoor kitchen. Just everything it, it's mm-hmm. all wired, you can tell. Everything looks like it was it was done planned by design. Oh, absolutely. And if you even look at the exterior of this home, it is sort of the aesthetic um, is sort of like um, kind of an Austin Hill Country look. Yeah. And I don't, I think the years that they lived there, the modern, they were definitely modern, but but more, I think they realized that resonated with them more than these arches that we see in the backyard. So the goal was, and this is funny because, I mean, I wouldn't say my strength is, um, yeah exterior landscaping but i did work with the pool designer and the outdoor company who you know actually fabricated this entire space but the kickoff was this monument that the homeowner found this you know this structure um the sculpture of it's i think it's called moon river at the very end of the property and 
it was interesting because that was absolutely going in. He was having that no matter what. But when I first saw the renderings of this, it was the two, I guess, um, the overhangs, they that meet in the middle and you see the structure through it, they were turned. They were turned the other way. And so when I first saw the plans, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think you should take these structures, twist them, and therefore they're on an angle. So when you're sitting in your master bedroom, you can see your beautiful sculpture lit up at night all the way through. So it was intentional. And like the dining table, it's literally cantilevered out of the ground. I mean, and, you know, it was digging for a lot of resources and finding the right materials. And then the TV is literally on a pole. The intent was to have it to where it twisted mm. so you can see it if you're you know, lounging on a float in the pool. So very intentional thoughts behind the craftsmanship of this, um, you know, using the iPay wood and the slats on the pillars. I mean, I had to come up with a way to tie the hill country and the modern together. And with these horizontal slats that have reveals and the light comes through it at night, it's, it's really stunning. So I can't really tell from the pictures um, because the, the brick is, is washed in light. Did you also use um, the Austin limestone? Yes. Okay. We did. Yep. And again, that was architecturally, like you said, we can't ignore what's going on already. Yeah. But we also you know, included the concrete pads with the artificial turf and, you know, that gives it that modern aesthetic. So, and obviously the pool style is modern. So I think we did a pretty good job of, you know, you, uh, the worst thing would be is, oh, I have this modern outdoor space with this traditional home. So, you yeah, know, yeah, think, no, totally. Yeah. And, and listen, I mean, there's detail in this that I just absolutely love. And when you mentioned it, then it all made sense to me because you're using this, this sculpture, which is a, it's a, it's a, it's a black ball hovering yeah. over what, what looks like an Austin limestone pedestal or, or a, at least something that is, that looks similar to that, but it's sitting over a concrete fire pit clearly across yeah. the pool. It's framed by the, by the outdoor area. Mm-hmm. It just all, it all looks like it was so purposeful, but it doesn't look overly planned. It still has that organic feel to it, which is, which is really hard to do. Yes. It, 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 I'm not going to say it was, you know, one of our easier projects, but <laughs> again, what this client does, he, he sets his expectations so far above like our normal that we have to dig creatively to meet his goals. And that's kind of a personal thing for me that I know I, you know, and he speaks volumes about me and our firm because of it. And so that's sort of a self-satisfaction thing for me that when I'm challenged like that, you know, you, you do. I mean, not that we don't dig deep on every project, but this one, I mean, he wanted sky's the limit, right? And so it was, um, it was time intensive for sure. Well, and you, you crushed it. You did. You knocked it out of the park. I, I absolutely Thank love this you. project. And, I, you know, I could spend all day talking to you about your projects, but um, this, one, <laughs> this one really sort of spoke to me. And Aww. so thank you for sort of walking me through it. Um, You're welcome. The, the last thing I want to ask you, and, and I appreciate the time I'm going, I'm going over with you. Um, yeah, sure. I, I, what, what do you see as the 
I believe that every every city really is different because the people who live in cities live differently. Um, mm-hmm. What do you? And when you look at Texas design, what's next? What are you crushing on right now? What do you think is is the future? for design in, in, you know, the next five to 10, where do you think it's going? What is, what is the city of Dallas and the state of Texas like with regard to design? How do you see it changing? And where do you think it's going to, what do you think it's going to look like in five to 10 from now? Like I said, I feel like Texas is, is almost like holding its value for the next five or 10 years because we are in this growth pattern. So I mean, as far as like our Metroplex, I feel like it's getting cleaner as far as the new construction that's going on. I mean, clearly not fussy, um, clean, traditional as well. Um, I feel like we're leaning. And, and Texas as a whole, like I said, it's so funny, the misconception with Dallas, because you think, oh my God, they have all the land in the world, but I moved here from Atlanta and oh my gosh, I moved here and I thought these homes are so close together. Why are they being so stingy with their land? It's <laughs> almost like, a, we call those cluster homes back in Atlanta, but you know, it's, it's tight, you know, and then everything here is going up. You know, we're seeing a ton of new high rises and a lot of clients that we've had that are giving up their larger homes and they're living in these li- you know, these large high rises. Why not? Right. No maintenance. You have people who are back on call. You still get the space. You don't want to deal with, with the yards. You know, we're seeing a lot of modular units coming up in you know, apartment living. So the Metroplex too, you know, where, where the big boom is Texas. I think I'm not so worried about, you know, as far as the design industry, because I know there's so much talk with, you know, we're not going to be valued anymore. I think that the clients who need us, they're still going to be out there. And if your firm is at a place where you are attracting that clientele, I'm going to say, let's not panic. Let's not panic. (laughs) I think you have to redo you know, and really think about the way your offerings are and how you present your your services and budgeting exercises and budgeting discussions. Because, like I said, they're still out there. They don't want to do it themselves, right? That's and right. so I know there's a panic right now. I mean, when Nebraska Furniture Mart, we found that was coming to Dallas. We didn't, I didn't know anything about it. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, a lot of our lines are going there. Okay. I'm sorry, that's not a threat. That was like concern that we did not have to be worried about. It's just who you cater to, right? And I'm confident, like I said, in Texas, we're we're going to stay strong next five to ten years. And the and the absolute last, I think I said that already, but the absolute last is uh, from a resource standpoint, where where you're shopping, where your oh. where your mm-hmm. everything offline. Um, Mm -hmm. do you have the resources you need? We actually really do. Um, again, in Dallas, we have the Dallas world trade center, Dallas market center, um, showrooms and showrooms, but then you just go a couple miles and that's where 
most of the designer-ish showrooms are. So some of the high-end showrooms that can, I mean, fabricate, custom fabricators, a lot of custom work. I mean, we've got square miles of this. And so you can... I mean, honestly, they're, they're, we're, we're just lucky because it's, you know, it's not far for us to just to zip down there. It's like 10 minutes. So there are a ton of resources here. However, you're not sit testing everything. So we still have to go to the major markets and we make sure that we do and spend quality time researching to bring back to our clients. But yeah, Dallas is definitely, it's a great spot for designers. Is is much is much made you know made in LA is a is a big thing. We have right. a, a number of artisans. We have a lot of craftsmen. We have a lot of workrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, made mm-hmm. in LA is a big thing. Made in Texas um, is that a thing? Not not as much. You know, not not as much. Um, you know, obviously made in the U.S. and then you know coming out of High Point is big, but. but Honestly, there's not a huge push. Oh, I want this made from Texas. We do have some great custom fabricators for furnishings um, here you know, in the Dallas Metroplex that we lean on constantly for these custom pieces, which you know we're really proud of. But no, there is not that much of a push like you have in LA at all. But obviously, we, to up-level our designs, we have to go that route. Tracy, this has been so much fun. I, I really appreciate the time. And oh, it, it has been so great meeting you. And, and I, I so appreciate you telling your story. Thank you. Well, you are welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. Good. Okay, there we go. How was that? That was, that was, it was great. You were awesome. Aw, thanks. Thank you, Tracy. Excellent job. That was so much fun. Please subscribe to the show so you can catch every episode of Lone Star House of Design and Convo by Design. Ask Alexa or Siri, just say, hey Siri, play Convo by Design, and she will. You can follow the show on the socials as well, at Convo by Design with an X on Instagram, and check out the YouTube channel for videos from some of your favorite episodes. Thanks for listening, and until next week, keep creating.